everyone, here is Daniel Budai with another episode of our Ecom show. And today I'm here with Hayden Brass from Australia. And he's one of the co-founders of Zia or Zia. And this is a family-owned Australian health and wellness company and founded on a love for nature and the passion for unearthing the diverse healing benefits on of Kunzea and native Australian flora. This is on their website. Yeah, I hope I pronounce everything correctly. Uh, but I checked the website and everyone can find them, zea.com.au. And uh, I really like the positioning or, you know, how you present yourself. You stand for the globe or, you know, the earth. And uh, it, you, are, you seem to be a very proud Australian brand. And actually, that's how we got connected. I uh, found their brand through Instagram, I think. And uh, I wanted to invite Hayden to tell more about their brand. So I'm really happy to have you today. How, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me, Daniel. I'm excited to share a bit more about Azair and um, our story and everything like that. So thanks for, thanks for having me. So, you know, um, I know quite many skincare and beauty brands. I regularly work with them, with my team as well. And I think it's one of the most saturated niches. So if I Take a look at fashion and beauty, skincare, there are so many companies. Yeah, and I'm just really curious how you try to stand out on this saturated market. Sure. So our products are um, a little bit in the beauty space, um, very much in the health and wellness space uh, with um, and personal care products. So the way that we've stood out from the beginning is our, our having a very key point of difference in our ingredient that we use. So we're the number one brand to be using Kunzi as an active ingredient in our range of different products. And that's just really what stands out um, from the crowd. So um, there's a lot of other products in the market, a lot of products you're competing with in all these industries. And I agree, it's, um, you can't, it's, it's very difficult to like compete on features like cruelty-free or um, natural or uh, even sustainability is becoming more and more competitive. But the way that we've differentiated ourselves is using a key ingredient that stands out and just makes us a bit different and allows us to educate our leads, but also our customers as well about something quite unique and um, puts points us out and yeah, gives us a conversation starting starting point. Yeah, so you mentioned Kunzia as the main ingredient and what is it exactly? How is it different? Because, you know, yes. I, I know brands like... I think like 20 years ago or 10 years ago, aloe vera was a new thing. And then uh, I don't, I, I'm not a chemist here, but probably glycerin was another thing at some time and, you know, different plants, eucalyptus maybe, but how Kunzia is different. Yeah. So it's happened with a lot of different ingredients all over the place. So um, tea tree is one that we always compare it to. Uh, Yahoba is another common one that's become more and more popular and some companies focus on that. Um, and on, on a global scale stage, you've got like a frankincense or a lavender. A lavender is a great example of an ingredient that's become really popular in its own right. Uh, for us, Kunzia is uh, unique to one part of Australia called Tasmania. Um, it's, a, it's a bush, it's a shrub, it's similar to like a tea tree in the way that it grows and it's very uh, sustainably sourced and the composition of it is what makes it really unique. It's got uh, key components with it that give it its anti-inflammatory, mm-hmm. antimicrobial properties. So that's what stands out. And we're able to really create a story around it um, that really differentiates ourselves. And that's what, I guess, 
allows us to have, and I mean, that's where the, com- the, the name Zia comes from, is from the word Kunzia. And that, and that kind of all helps tell the tell part of the story, really. And the most common question we get asked is, what is Kunzia? It's, it's, it gets asked by our team all the time. And that's, the, that's great because that means we're still standing out and we've got a long way to go to um, build that traction. But it, to get to the size that we are today um, with an ingredient that's still very new is um, pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah, I think that's amazing that people ask this question from you. So it's still new for most people. I think that's yeah. key to success. So, yeah, you mentioned this ingredient. And how do you, how, how did you explore this? Was it you? Was it someone in your team or family? Or, you know, you heard about it uh, from someone? Or how did you realize that, okay, this is a great ingredient? Sure. So the origin of it um, is I grew up in a very, um, I guess, uh, mum and dad sort of, not entrepreneurial, but like they worked at markets and shows and self-employed my whole life. So I was around this uh, my whole life, which was um, a big part of the sales and a journey that I've been on um, as a as a kid as well, which has got me to where I am today. But as part of that, I was surrounded by all sorts of like natural ingredients uh, while living in uh, Tasmania, state of Australia. And um, had quite a lot of people down there asking for this ingredient called Kunzia. So um, as a family at that stage, we did a bit of a project to trial the product, learn more about it, learn more about the research, the composition of it, all that type of thing, and spent a few years doing that before the company was launched, really testing on it, trying it with customers, et cetera, et cetera, and um, really just seeing whether there was something, something here to work with. Um, after we got a little bit of traction, I thought, right, I can really see this actually being... Um, a real business here and really uh, one day a global brand. So in 2016, I started a new company, Australian uh, Kunzia or mm-hmm. trading as Zia. And um, yeah, I've just been growing it ever since. So it all started in the family. The family is still involved um, in a large part and more families involved now. <laughs> um, but we've been growing uh, year on year since launching in 2016. Amazing. And uh so I, you are from Tasmania, right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, are you still there or, or not yet? Or not anymore? No, so I, I moved to Melbourne um, okay. in 10 years ago now. <laughs> I moved to yeah. Melbourne for, for uni uh, to study marketing and uh, business, etc. At that time in my um, early 20s. So I um, yeah, moved to yeah, Melbourne then and uh still go back there all the time still got a really strong connection with tassie and work with a lot of the producers uh farmers etc down there and travel back there all the time yeah i think that's a great uh story and i can you know i could hear a few similar stories that there was an ambitious business person or just young guy you know uh and then he lives somewhere in the let's say countryside of europe or australia us whatever south america and then they just pick some local ingredient and that they already know and the local community knows but you know people in the country or or internationally they don't know this ingredient it's just unheard they start a business and they make it popular um i i listened to a podcast and I think it's the biggest kombucha brand in the U.S. now. And the guy also mentioned is that he was consuming kombucha all the time when he was a kid, but it was in the 90s or even 80s, I don't know. 
long time ago and nobody really knew kombucha and for him it was kind of natural so he just started a company and it became a billion dollar brand so uh, yeah very fascinating story so i'm really curious how have you grown so far so you started this business and uh, how did you get your first customers was it organic or you jumped into paid ads or you did sales yourself um so what was yeah. the initial model well quite honestly the very early days um we actually um and i still stand by this as a very valuable way of getting um an understanding of your customer and your sales pitch etc but just doing like expos and shows and speaking mm-hmm. to customers um in that capacity so very early days that's how we got our initial traction uh got some early sales um and got got an understanding of the products that work what needs to be adjusted etc cetera, etc cetera, what people were asking for so in the very early days that was the um element of what we did to to get some revenue in the door um from there i dabbled and started a bit of the facebook advertising this was six, seven years ago now. So um dabbled in the Facebook advertising element of it and other email marketing and setting up all the back end sort of stuff. Very early in the piece, my idea was always setting up as much as possible to make it scalable. And we did a pretty good job at that at the time. Things <laughs> things have broken since then. But um in the very early days, working with a three three PL straight off the bat when we had very little sales um getting great creative in there for our products and setting up a great website and all those sort of things were done very early on in the piece as we started to see a bit of uh sales coming in the door um th- through as i said markets and shows but also facebook advertising um was has always been key but it's always uh, key in getting those initial traction in the early days um and i guess one of the things that really helped as well getting us some traction was very early on um i reached out to like a news uh channel 9 news it was at the time oh, it is still and um to get a bit of footage for with pr and get we got on a channel 9 segment in one state in australia and that actually helped us propel us as well because we could re repurpose that a lot on it was great at the time when it went live but then we've used that ad continuously for many years as well and seen great results through okay. that that's great yeah and uh it's very interesting that because you know many business owners or e-commerce business owners they just try to run ads and that's it and they complain that the ads don't work i, I can see this many times but you try to do different things like the expo or the expos and then uh tv and uh if i go to your website i can see that you were in many different uh, media channels um so yeah i think all of these and these all adds up so it's it's not just one thing not just facebook ads or google ads yeah can you tell us more about the crowdfunding that you recently had yeah absolutely so we've been bootstrapped all the way through the the life of our business so since day dot um i think i put 50k into the business of my own savings um but we've been bootstrapped from day one uh there we then we're at a point where we're like we really want to take this business to the next level and our vision is to improve the quality of life of 10 million people by 2030 a very ambitious vision but we knew we couldn't do it on our own so we decided to um look into equity crowdfunding 
I've, I've invested in a few businesses myself, a couple of breweries, et cetera, um, over the last few years. So I've kind of seen how it all works and really enjoyed it as a investor's perspective. So uh, towards the end of last year, uh, we started researching it and decided to go in on it and um, look at equity crowdfunding as a way of raising capital in the business. Um, a, to see revenue come in and um, help us to grow faster, but also to have see, uh, what ended up being 600 customers being our biggest fans and uh, loving our brand and promoting our brand, etc. So um, it felt like a really great way for us to share our revenue and our growth with our with our customer base as well, which is one of the reasons why we went ahead with it. And it was a bit different to the traditional models of doing VC or other mo- of bank bank loans, etc. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's been quite an adventure <laughs> over the last. It's finished now, but over the last three or four months, huge amount of work, really really valuable felt, felt like I upskilled as a business owner, having to redo the constitution, restructure the company, go through our strategy for the next four, 24 months and really knuckle down on the numbers, understand the real health of our business as well. So it's done a lot to help us feel like we know what we need to do to, to improve the business as well and take it to that yeah. level, next level from sales, but also from a profitability perspective as well. Yeah. So let's uh, stop at crowdfunding for a moment. If somebody wants to do it, wants to get started with this, how they should do it? Like maybe what are the common pitfalls? What would you say? Yeah, I think um, we're very, with everything that we put forward, we really want to do it with quality and with um, attention to detail. So everything we we do, um, we want to put our best foot forward. Um, I find that for us, it required a lot of time and energy. And I think we didn't give ourselves enough time to do it properly. I think we did it properly, but we would have liked, and I think we did a really good job at doing a great campaign, but we did have to uh, do long days and long hours just to get it done during the time frame that we set for ourselves. So I think not setting enough time to do it. I also think not really planning it, like realizing the, the the what can happen when you actually take on investors i think i know that i discovered that at one point with um the, the structure of the company and um what's something that we should have probably done 12 to 18 months ago um we didn't and um it, it's not a huge impact on us but it it did it was a learning in in regards to something that should have been done if we'd researched it a bit further in advance and I think a lot of our businesses that go through this sort of process hit these hurdles um, if they're not prepared and if they haven't done their research of what actually in, is involved in having investors on board and people that you, um, you're taking on people's money, like your friends, family, customers, they're real people. They're not like high net worth investors. These are real people that have are just putting a bit of money into your business because they believe in you. So you, you've got that extra level of responsibility as well. I agree. Yeah. 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 Especially as you said, you know, they are not VCs or, you know, some big names, but you know, they are people who trust you and uh, you are responsible for their money. And I, I think that's a big responsibility, especially if they are friends or customers or people close to you. So yeah, yeah you absolutely. really have to push hard then. So at the moment, um, what is the key engine of your growth? Is it more online uh, marketing and sales or still the expos and uh, 
you know, newspapers, TVs, offline sources? It's an interesting time um, with growth and um, a lot of things happening. So for us, it's diversifying is probably our biggest focus at the moment. So um, like a lot of e-commerce businesses, it's very easy to get into the reliance on Facebook ads specifically, but also Google ads, et cetera. Uh, and that's definitely a trap that we fell into for a period, probably over about 12 months. Um, and that iOS 14 sort of update and everything that impacted so many different people. So we're try we're in a, in a phase now of trialing different techniques. So, um, for instance, we tried magazine ads as a traditional method. Mm-hmm. Um, we're about to get on TV for the first time in Australia, um, during the Commonwealth games here and just see how that, whether that brings any traction because we do have an older demographic as our target audience. So we just want to try it and see how that goes. It could be something that we put more money into. So for us, it's um, diversifying our lead generation and how we get our cold traffic into onto our website. And it's also the other end is our retention. So we have a very strong uh, returning customer rate, which is why we can put a lot of money at the beginning. But we're like going to trial out subscriptions to see how our customers react, relate to that, um, really honing in on our um, re- referral and um, getting word of mouth out there and getting it, making it easy as possible for customers to refer um, people. So we've got a, a lot of aspects, a lot of things happening. And for us, it's really just not being reliant on one or two or three things, really just having a, a pool of elements that are helping to drive revenue and traffic to the website as well. Yeah. This one uh, thing, uh, do you use SMS marketing? We did. We just started. Yeah. So we've used it probably for six months and seen some good, good results. And again, that's another thing we've done to like diversify, I'd say, and try something a bit different. Yeah. I know it's huge in Canada, US. We also get very good results for clients, but I don't know much about Australia and, uh, but usually in English speaking countries, it works very well. Uh, that's what I can see. So yeah. Australia, New Zealand as well. Yeah. Yeah. I um, think at the moment, it's an interesting time with SMS because I don't know about in the US, but in Australia, you're getting so many spam messages as well. So yeah, it's are, the same like, everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. They're, they're getting all these messages coming through. And I think sometimes they don't realize it's real or it's spam. And because we do have like a 50 plus demographic. Yeah, it can kind of throw people off sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, some countries, they they would start regulating this again, because that's that's usually what happens, right? Like there is a new platform, it starts working very well, then marketers ruin everything as the phrase goes, and uh, it, need to be, it needs to be regulated. So, yeah. <laughs> So let's talk about sustainability a bit. I'm really curious if, um, because I can see so many brands in this space uh, and saying that they are a sustainable brand. So this is something that adds value to your brand, but in a way that you can even ask for higher prices or from, so I understand why you stand for it. I'm kind of similar person, Uh, especially young people. I think they really understand why it's important, but from a marketing perspective, does it add value to your product and the brand? So you can ask for a higher price point because of this, or you don't think it's uh, relevant for, for that? Yeah, I, I think it does. I think there's definitely a, an element of that that's 
important and it does impact people's buying decision. I know we, we're part, we're a certified B corporation and 1% for the planet. So uh, just having them on our packaging and on our website, definitely, even if people haven't heard of them, it, it kind of gives people that sense of we're doing things that are good and making them feel good about themselves for buying from a sustainable brand. Um, and for us, it gives our team, that's our internal team, that sort of justification. We're doing good things as well for the world. I think it definitely helps to charge a premium, but when it comes to 90% of consumers, <laughs> they still love a sale. And like there's, I mean, I think it's that comp, uh, combination of both. Like it's a difficult one to actually understand the true roots of what, what it is and whether they're buying it for that aspect, which I think is really important. And that's why we do it in every decision that we make in the business goes through a um, sustainability sort of process to make sure that we we can do it. But yeah, when it comes down to the actual customer, they're always looking out for that sale that's coming up and trying to get it cheaper. So I think uh, yeah, you just yeah. have to, uh, you have to balance it out properly and um, keep track of it and um, ask your customers as well, what they like and what, what they're most interested in. And I think that can help um, dictate your decisions as well. Yeah, I think I, I agree. I have only one question to you. So what would be your number one tip? for e-commerce business owners now in 2022? What they what should they focus on? I'm really, it's something we haven't done enough of. I think there's so many opportunities for, um, and you're seeing it more and more, but collaborations and partnerships with other e-commerce brands, I think, or other brands. I think working with other brands is really critical. I think it allows you to scale up quicker while utilizing multiple mailing lists or what it lists or whatever it might be. So I think there's a lot of a lot of things I could have said. <laughs> but that's the first thing that comes to mind is something I think that's got the most potential for growth quickly. Um if you can find those right partners, um do giveaways, whatever it might be, um, exchange uh, customer bases. I think there's um opportunities there to to really grow if that's what you're after, if you want to grow your business. Um, above and beyond just doing it natively or um, paying for it through advertising. So I think that's probably the biggest, get the biggest bang for your buck um, is, as part of growth in e-com. Yeah, I know so many e-commerce business owners and most of them, they, they are really competitive. You know, they want to be the biggest <laughs> and the fastest and so on. And it's good that you mentioned collaboration because I can rarely see that. Yeah, with e other e-commerce brands, that's very rare. Uh, but just any yeah. type of collaboration, even with influencers, they they try to do it. But in most cases, they just try, try to pay to the influencer and that's the end of the story. So that's not real collaboration if it's just about money. So, yeah, I think uh, Absolutely. many business owners could uh, implement it better. So that was a good thought. Uh, thanks, Hayden, for coming here today. And thanks, everyone who watched the live stream or uh, listen to the podcast uh, later. Every week we come out with a new episode with an e-commerce business owner or a marketer. So stay tuned, everyone. And uh, if you like this episode, make sure you leave a review on the major podcasting platforms. And thanks again. Have a great day, everyone.